It's only a kick. A jump. A block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle. A run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. This is the Hockey Podcast Network, your home for hockey talk on every team in the NHL. This is the Broadway Boys Podcast through the Hockey Podcast Network, and we are back with Season 5, Episode 12, as the New York Rangers make history sweeping the western conference road trip Uh, andy and i are definitely ecstatic about that but there's also some other stuff that the new york rangers uh are are finding themselves in the middle of that we will have to get into uh i didn't think that this was going to be a thing until today when andy texted me so um yeah there's going to be some patrick king talk again so with that i have to ask andy how are you doing my friend I'm doing as well as anyone uh, whose favorite team just is first in their division uh, and just is coming off the back of a, well, I wouldn't say flawless, but at least record-wise, a flawless uh, five-game road trip. Uh, It's a weird feeling to have, because obviously the Rangers, in my tenure as a fan, have they've had some seasons where they've gotten off to great starts before. Um, but I can't, I'm having struggling to like, remember a time where a, their start was this strong, especially on the back of a new coach. Usually when there's a coaching change it's going to, you know, I think coming into the season, I felt it was going to take an adjustment for the Rangers. I thought it was be going to be a thing where, you know, maybe offensively they have it going, but to adjust to, uh, Laviolette's defensive minded, you know, neutral zone, the heavy system, uh, it was going to take some adjustment, but 
it almost ended up being the opposite in which they've taken to the defense aspect of it flawlessly. And that's, they've made it a point to really pay attention to those things as a team. And, you know, maybe the five on five offense is what they're still struggling to put together, but luckily their special teams play has been so excellent that their power play has got them goals when they've needed it. And uh, their penalty kills come up huge when they've needed it. And they're getting good, solid goaltending on top of playing, you know, uh, almost league best defense. And lo and behold, when you have Igor Shesterkin and a uh, Jonathan or Benoit Allaire gets his hands apparently on Jonathan Quick, uh, it's a recipe for success. So, yeah, man, I mean, I'm doing good right now. And uh, especially considering a lot of the news coming out about other teams in the league today, uh, it could always be a lot, lot worse. So, yeah, feeling feeling good, pretty good about the New York Rangers. Yeah, I mean, there's a lot to feel good about. I, I mean, the stars are stepping up and getting the job done, whether that's, you know, on the power play. And, you know, I, I kind of harp about special teams and, you know, winning those battles. And then, you know, you goaltending and, you know, the defense are kind of following suit. And, you know, it's just, you know, you're seeing a complete hockey team right now. And I know things can change and I know it's early and, you know, there's no tape really on the New York Rangers under, you know, Peter LaViolette, big tongue, tough name for me to say. (laughs) And yeah, it's just, uh, you know, it'll be interesting to see you know, what we look like, you know, two months from now, you know, hopefully, you know, once the, the, the gig is up and they know how to play against us, that we can adapt and, you know, throw, throw different looks at teams, especially defensively. So, uh, you know, I, I just think that, you know, this road trip was not just big for us, but I think big for the fans too, just the, you know, everyone can now take a deep breath and say, you know what, like maybe we were all wrong about this team. I know, I was wrong initially about this team, but, you know, I do realize that, you know, there's, there's caution and optimism, obviously, especially with this team. It's, you know, it's a, it's not a sprint. It's a marathon. This was awesome. It is history. It should be celebrated. Um, The team should be very prideful of what they accomplished on this road trip. But, you know, I do like how a lot of them are handling it and how that, you know, they basically said, you know, we didn't play perfect hockey. We did get the wins and that's great, but there's still a lot that we can improve on. And, you know, we have to continually, you know, continue to get better and, you know, continually improve. And you see where, and you see where it goes, you know, one game at a time. And yeah, I, I don't know, Andy, you know, looking at this road trip, obviously last podcast, I think I mentioned the sweep and that had to be the best road trip that we've ever had obviously i didn't know history was in the making here you'd have thought somewhere some random year that the rangers would have been able to do this but they haven't until now um but looking looking back you know and knowing how tough these road trips can be uh are you glad that you kind of got it out of the way early i mean it's it's hard you know it's easy to say yes now because we did go undefeated but um i i always kind of like an early road trip so are you, are you happy that, you know, it was at the beginning of the season, they kind of had an opportunity to, you know, be secluded from any, you know, hometown distractions and uh, were able to, you know, kind of put together a, a good, uh, a good road trip and just, uh, you know, a good play overall, you know, you know, as the, uh, you know, 
as you know, some people could say that, you know, it's easy to take, you know, the last game off and stuff like that. So you, you know, are you glad that they got this road trip out of the way, even though looking back, it's easy to say that yes, because they went undefeated. Yeah. I mean, absolutely. Um, you and I, before the season started, we were talking about, we were discussing the schedule and that we were both saying how that early road trip would be good for them. I didn't think it would be this good, but yeah, I, I think the Rangers the last few seasons have been a road minded team. They've been pretty good on the road the last few seasons. Um, I don't have the I haven't looked up the numbers to support that, but it's just off the top of my head. I'm pretty sure they're pretty strong on the road the last few seasons. Um, and yeah, it basically is a perfect opportunity to really drill into what the system is, what the expectations are, because you're just you're basically with the team for what, two weeks or, you know, or a week and a half, however long the stretch ends up being or, and you don't have the distractions of home. It's not like you're going in for a meeting and you're sure, sure, but you're thinking about getting back to your significant other and your kids and, you know, going out to dinner with friends later or whatever, you know what I mean? So it's just, you're with the team. It's on your mind all the time. You're with your teammates all the time. You're with the coaching staff for most of the time. Um, you're, you know, plenty of time for meetings and video. You'd probably get together and have discussions with, people in the hallways and you know it's just a perfect time to really dial in um what you're trying to do and i think you kind of harped on this but a really refreshing part of this whole thing is that the rangers didn't play perfect but at the same time you know they they competed even though they didn't play perfect i cannot you can't claim they didn't compete uh they were absolutely gassed that last game but you saw them still skating and trying to get to the right areas and trying to keep their sticks low in lanes and stuff. And yeah, they didn't have a lot of speed or they weren't on their, they weren't on the top of their uh, tip of their toes as much as they were early on in the road trip. But that being said, they really, yeah, they really were attentive to their details and you could tell they were just kind of like trying to trust the process. And even after the, all these victories, I think they even came out and said they were like, it's not like what in years past where Gerard Gallant, they'd get the Rangers would get absolutely outshot. Igor would keep them in and they'd score some timely goals. Uh, and, you know, when asked about it by the press, Gerard Gallant would say, well, yeah, you know, well, we our goalie had to make some shaves save for sure, but he did. And, you know, we found a way, so we move on and that's it. It's like, that's acceptable to you. <laughs> but, you know, he's like, you know, every unprompted, the players and Laviolette, even in after victories is like, yeah, you know, um, we really, kept to our our structure tonight and and it really made the difference i do think we put too much emphasis on not attacking enough and that's he's like that's what's and he said as much in his uh interview today at the practice rink is like that's what is i think is going to come next for these guys is that we're trying to make it a point to be you know stay in our structure and stay defensive uh but you have to push that attack side too. And obviously as you get more comfortable with the structure and it becomes more second nature, then you can take your opportunities because you're not so afraid. Am I leaving something open? You know what I mean? So, and that's super refreshing. These well thought out answers about what they, what they could have done better, that they're aware of it, how they're addressing it in meetings or drills on the ice or whatever. And uh, yeah, just super refreshing. So um, yeah, I mean, I'm loving the transparency uh, from La- the Lavulette uh, regime right now. Oh, yeah. And and it's weird, too. Like, and you're I thought you hit the nail right on the head. It's not like, 
even when we have bad games, I mean, the Nashville game was bad, but yeah, that was bad. And that, he said as much. He's like, that was the bad game. Yeah, but at least, you know, at least that was 60 minutes and we played poor and we can move on from it. It's it's the games where, like you said, like we get totally outshot and we win and then there's no recognition of like admitting that you played bad. I, I like that. Like he's not just sugarcoating losses and wins like because there's there's two different, you know, wins and there's two different losses. There are losses. You know, you come out of the Columbus game and you're like, we just totally outplayed that team. Like we dominated. How the hell did we lose? And then there's games like, you know, Nashville where you're like, we didn't deserve to even be on the ice. And it's the same thing with wins. And, you know, I'm kind of glad that, no, I'm not kind of glad. I'm very glad that we have a coach that, you know, is seeing what the fans are seeing on the ice. You know, and I think he obviously sees the game much differently, uh, you know, than the, the average fan. But, you know, it, it's nice to see that, like, oh, man, we just didn't have it there in the second period. And it's not like, yeah, you know, uh, we did a lot of, you know, really good things. It's like, no, he comes out, he says it, you know, we were, you know, bad in the second period. We were bad in the defensive zone at times. Uh, we didn't, you know, forecheck hard enough all game. And it's like, yeah, even on a win, you know, there are things that you can work on. And, you know, you know, it's, it's, it's chasing perfection, even though you, you, you know, obviously you'll never attain it, but it, it's the chasing of perfection. It's cleaning up all the little things this way the big things fall into place. And I kind of, I like that mantra that he's, he's, you know, carried with him since day one of being the, you know, the head coach of the New York Rangers. Um, to get into the win, Andy, though, against the Winnipeg Jets, I mean, it was, uh, that was a wild ride. And I have to say that the, the kill at the end from, you know, the last few seconds of regular regulation right into overtime, man, that was, a test upon test because I feel like nine out of 10 times the Rangers lose that, you know, and especially cause it was a bad call, just bad juju all around. Um, you know, what were your thoughts there at the end? Yeah. I mean that kill at the end going into overtime was huge. I mean, enough has been said about the fact that that clearly wasn't a trip on Lindgren. Um, but in fairness, it's, it's happening so fast. I get why, the ref didn't pick it up because it does look like he he at first kind of gets a stick around and it might get him in the feet. Uh, but it doesn't, you know, luckily it doesn't have to matter. We don't have to be like Canucks fans and just complaining and whining for the next two weeks about, <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> because like them, we came out on top. Um, but, you know, so it happens to everyone. Uh, but yeah, huge kill for the Rangers. They've been uh, it wasn't a four on three because it was overtime, but you know, it's, they, they've, their PK has been so good. They've been really good keeping a tight box and sticks and lanes. More importantly, just not giving good options to shoot. All the shots have been from the, they they can't make shots through traffic. Like the Rangers have been scoring on their power play because they bunch up, they bunch it up. And Igor, so you don't see a lane, so you're only on the outsides, really. So you either have to try to pick a corner around bodies, which is tough anyway, or do what they do is they move it, uh, you know, towards the towards the dots or towards the bottom of the circle. And, you know, Igor's at least has time to get set and he can see it coming and he makes a save if he has to. You know what I mean? So, uh, yeah, it was absolutely huge 
especially on a night, like I said, they didn't really have much in the tank to have to, to do that. It, it would have been real easy to just say, even, you know, they, they kill the first half of the penalty or the first third of it. Uh, they make it, they get the extra point. Now you're in overtime and it's like, if they had given it up that goal there, I don't think anyone would have been, at least Ranger fans, like maybe I only speak for myself, but I don't think anyone would have been disappointed or upset with them, but they kill it off and they just keep it going. And I mean, they were still, they were gas because even after they were back to even strength, they just weren't sharp with their passes and where they were putting pucks. You know what I mean? And uh, Winnipeg was buzzing and it was hounding them and all over them and they kept turning it over, but then kind of getting it back and turning it over. But, uh, you know, I think, and this is a smart point that Vince Mercogliano made, I believe, is that in speaking with, we're talking about how good Panarin has been. uh, You'll notice Panarin, instead of, basically getting full shifts all over the ice. Uh, he's giving him more ozone starts this year than D zone starts, I believe. And he's really saving him for offense. And you can tell not. And he's, he says he's been impressed with Panarin's work ethic to come back and stuff, but you know, he, he understands what he has in Panarin. And so Panarin looked like, you know, the second he stepped on the ice and he stepped, uh, took to the middle of the ice, he made that move to his, uh, uh, to his, you know, hold it on his forehand away from uh, just as the Winnipeg Jets forwards were like, oh, shit, oh, shit. We gave him the slot and he just kind of, you know, makes his way up the slot and he pulls him to him. Zabana adds uh, off to the near the boards, near the circle from the in the Mika spot. And he just feeds a perfect pass to him. Blam back in the net. And uh, yeah, it was they they. But that doesn't have we we're not even talking about these or the or the OT winner in Vancouver without their their PK, which has been so impressive. And the block shots, the laying, putting the body out. And it's not just Truba, who it's everyone, really. It's even, you know, Lafre, it's the kids. It's Lafreniere, it's Heedle, it's uh it's basically all their forwards are if they're getting a chance, they're laying out. It's and it's not like Labulette's like a big he's not Tortorelli, he's not like a black and blue shirts kind of guy, but he, I don't think he really necessarily told them to do that, but I just think they know they have to protect that spot. And when you have that direction, it's easier to do that and know probably less about like, you know, well, uh, you don't want to give Igor a screen. So what should he say? No, just take this away. I don't care how you do it. And it's, it's working. It's, it's uh yeah, they really gutsy uh, performance from their penalty kill over this, this stretch. Yeah. And you know, it, it's just nice to see. And, you know, when you're going on the road, it's imperative to win the special teams battles and, you know, bad calls are going to happen. You know, you know, when you're on the road that the home team is going to get, you know, momentum and the, the best way to do it, you know, is on the power play. Right. And, you know, successful power plays aren't always just scoring goals. It's it's just gaining momentum and getting scoring chances. Uh, and the Rangers are, you know, gaining their own momentum back by killing all these, you know, penalties off and. It's not like they're taking a lot of penalties per game, but they're just killing the ones that they do get. You know, they went, you know, in three for three on the PK against Winnipeg on the last, you know, on the last, uh, you know, game of this road trip where, you know, you might, you know, be on your heels instead of your toes a little bit. And you might, you know, give up a bad goal because, you know, there's the distraction of I finally get to go home after this or, you know, I can't wait to just get on the flight and get back home and you might be nagging an injury and you're not sleeping in your own bed. And, you know, you don't have the luxury of your own, uh, you know, you know, just your training facilities and stuff like that. So, 
yeah, the fact that the Rangers were able to overcome, you know, pretty big adversity there. You know, it's only 20 seconds you had to kill the five on four, but four four on threes are very tricky. And, um, you know, it's not like, you know, I, I think, I forget who mentioned it, but they mentioned it uh, towards the end there that, you know, the, the Rangers were practicing, uh, you know, their three on three play. But they had to play most of that overtime four and four because the guy coming out of the box, um, you know, doesn't go to three on three until after the first whistle after the the power play is over. So, yeah. So the Rangers, you know, like you said, man, they just couldn't get their legs going. They just needed that whistle. And, you know, once they were able to regroup and kind of catch their breath there, uh, they stayed calm, cool, collected. And and like you said, you know, Panarin over to Zibanejad and that was a. it was a goal. I don't even know how it snuck in there. It's just kind of threw it on net, you know. And you know, it's funny too. I was talking to, you know, my friends during the game, and I'm like, you know, they keep throwing the puck to Mika on the power play. It's just, you know, it, it you know, they're telegraphing this play, and it's just the goalie doesn't even have to think. He just slides over, and it's going to stop the puck. And then, sure enough, of course, Mika scores, you know, the the game winner on on a, on a nice pass, you know, from. You know, he takes it right in his little shooting slot there. So it's just, it's just funny. He needed it too. He, he, he clearly needed it. Oh, for sure. And I'm glad he got it. He got it at an important time and, you know, takes that momentum and, and carries it over to home because, you know, next up, you know, we got the Carolina Hurricanes who, after a shaky start, you know, really have found their game. They're winning hockey games. They're getting points. And they're a team that you're going to be fighting for a top three spot in the Metro with. So, and this is a potential, you know, first round matchup for the Rangers and it'd be nice to get, you know, home West advantage here. So, you know, these are the games that although early and it's only, you know, the early November, these games matter. These points matter. Head to head matchups matter. Regulation wins matter. Um, so yeah, it's just one game at a time here, but you know, this one hopefully was circled on this calendar. Um, you know, it's not a rivalry, but it sure feels like it now with how uh, the playoffs are set up with the, you know, top three seeds and the wild card. Uh, anything, any thoughts going into this game, Andy? Uh, are you a little nervous or, you know, this is our, this is the first real Eastern conference test. That's for sure. Well, definitely nervous more, even less so about the fact that it's Carolina and just about the fact that I think uh, that, coming off of a five, basically sweeping a five game road trip. I mean, it's the most obvious thing in the world would come home and lay an egg at your first home game where you're like, you're patting yourself on the back and you're so happy with what you accomplished. And you're like, all right, you know what I mean? Um, the good news is, well, hopefully it's good news, but in player interviews today after practice, uh, Vincent Trocek, obviously his former team, the Carolina hurricanes, he basically said, you know, it's uh, we'll have to be on our game. They're a tough out, obviously, always because of how they play. But, you know, it's easy to see coming off a road trip. It's it would be easy to get uh, let your guard down and feel good about yourself. And we can't do that. So, you know, they're saying all the right things. But, um, yeah, it'll be an important test. I mean, Carolina this year, I think because of how they've tried to change the narrative around them over the years, they play. Listen, they still play they play a crazy up tempo in your face style i think they're definite between their goaltending woes and you know basically getting tony d'angelo back uh trading for brent burns last year they are essentially 
they're they're not as maybe stout defensively as they've been in years past, but they still have some stout lines like, you know, the the stall line is a you know an M effort to play against the Terravian stall and whoever else is with them. And obviously Sebastian Ajo basically owns the Rangers. You know what I mean? So uh they'll have to be ready. But uh the good news is like I said, they are a little bit there are some some uh you know little cracks in the armor for them. They're not in, impenetrable. Uh but they like you said they although they got off to a pretty uh pretty uh, sus start with but they've kind of turned the ship around although you know it's the the games they played recently aren't to you know the flyers and uh uh the sharks you know what i mean and and a struggling kraken team so uh so yeah so the rangers are a tough test for them too but they you know they're going to get up for it so you know luckily the rangers at least had two days off here but um yeah hopefully they they've gotten some rest and recovery cuz they're going to definitely need it yeah. And, you know, like like you said, you know, they ha- they've got off to a rough start, but, you know, they've won three in a row. Uh, you know, they're not they're not giving up all these goals uh, as of, you know, late. Um, but, you know, the competition also hasn't been as good as uh, some of the teams that they played in the beginning of the season. Uh, you know, the last two games, I think they played they definitely played the Sharks and I think the Flyers. So it, it's not. You know, this this is going to be a test for them just as much as it is a test for us. I just think if we take, you know, one period at a time and just really concentrate on slowing this team down and concentrating on our game and, again, just take advantage of any special team opportunities that you get, uh, this team hopefully, um, you know, gets frustrated enough where they do they do trip you. They do, you know, they do hold and grab you and stuff like that. So it's important for us to get the puck in deep uh, and make their defensemen do, you know, you know, the heavy lifting here and take advantage of, you know, the weakest, I, in my opinion, the weakest part of their game. And, you know, I'm not in love with their goaltending either. So if you get shots on net, make sure there's screens, there's rebounds, uh, and there's no opportunity, uh, you know, there's no reason why we can't capitalize on these opportunities and put, you know, three or four pucks in the net. So, We'll see. Uh, you know, I, again, it's going to be exciting. It's the first true test uh, for the Eastern, you know, for the Eastern Conference teams that we have to play. So, you know, again, one one game at a time and, and we'll go from there. You know, it's nice to have a few days off here before, you know, gearing up for this game uh, after, you know, the long stretch out west. The NFL season is going strong and DraftKings Sportsbook is hooking new customers up with an offer that's even stronger. Bet five bucks on any game this week to score $200 instantly in bonus bets. And DraftKings isn't stopping there. All customers can take advantage of a sweetener offer every game day this October. Get in on the game day greatness. Download DraftKings Sportsbook app now and use code THPN. New customers can score $200 instantly in bonus bets when you bet five on the NFL. That's code THPN only at DraftKings Sportsbook an official sports betting partner of the NFL. The crown is yours. If you have a gambling problem, call 1-800-GAMBLER or visit www.1800gambler.net. In New York, call 877-8-HOPE-NEW-YORK or text HOPE-NEW-YORK. In Connecticut, help is available for a problem gambling by calling 888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org. Please play responsibly. On behalf of Boot Hill Casino and Resort, licensee partner Golden Nugget Lake Charles, Louisiana, 21 plus age varies by jurisdiction. Void in Ontario. 
Bonus bets expire 168 hours after issuance. See sportsbook.draftkings.com slash football terms for eligibility and deposit restrictions. Terms, responsible gaming resources. Halloween is come and gone, and now the holiday season is upon us. And you know what that means. Uh, absolute chaos. Now, it may be too early to start decorating for the holidays, but it's never too early to start your holiday shopping. And why not take care of it now, before the crowds and packed calendars make shopping a total nightmare? Especially when you can get some of the best deals of the season well before Black Friday. You can shop Raycon products right now and save up to 50% off because their early Black Friday sale is going on right now. Yep, right now. You've heard me talk about Raycon products before, uh, and I in the past I've told you, how much I love my Raycon uh, everyday earbuds. Use them for when I'm working out or going out, running errands, going on a walk, so I can uh, watch some show from my laptop while I'm over uh, doing the dishes. Uh, they are incredible, and they just make the uh, mundane things a little bit more enjoyable. So, uh, yeah, I absolutely a huge fan of them. Raycon first made a name for themselves in the audio space with products like their everyday earbuds, which are known for delivering high quality and thoughtful features like a 32-hour battery life and a perfect in-ear fit for all-day wear and lasting comfort. And just this past year, they expanded their entire business with the introduction of Raycon Home and Raycon PowerTech. Their five-star reviewed Magic 180 cable allows you to charge iOS, micro-USB, and Type-C devices eight times faster with a 100-watt power delivery. And their faucet filter ultra filters in the water in your tap against chlorine and heavy metals. It's a must-have for ensuring that the water you use to wash your face and brush your teeth is, you know, actually clean. Raycon is known for delivering high-quality and thoughtful features at half of the price of other premium tech brands, it's no wonder their products have racked up tens of thousands of five-star reviews. So to get everyone in on the holiday shopping spirit a bit early, Raycon is currently offering 20% off everything on their site, and with select products up to 50% off. So beat the crowds now and save now. Trust me, you do not want to miss out on Raycon's early Black Friday sale. Hurry now to buyraycon.com THPN to get 20 to 50% off site-wide. That's buyraycon.com slash THPN to score up to 50% off of Raycon products. Buyraycon.com slash THPN. Should we go into it now? I feel like we have to. Yeah. You're the, and, and don't, I just want people to know, this has nothing to do with me. Andy's the one that sends a text message to me in the beginning of this, uh, you know, beautiful day that we had, a nice frigid fall day. And he sends me a text that basically the New York Rangers are right back in the mix to get Patrick Kane. So what have you heard so far, Andy? And, you know, is there any uh, truth behind these so-called, you know, chatter and rumors? Well, I'll preface this by saying, I don't know. All I know is that um, Avery Zaretsky on Twitter, who is uh, he is He's a he has a Rangers podcast. Uh, I think it's the Blue Crew Pod. Um, mm-hmm. I think he's he's in some way has some barstool connections and other things. I don't know. But last year he was one of the few people that had info like when Kane was still 
you know, it was still up in the air about where he might go. He had, po- you know, he had said that he had heard something, you know, he had heard that the cane talks are real and that it's happening. And, and you know, it happened. So, I mean, uh, in fairness, a lot of people could have maybe had claimed that and it, they would have been right. But at the same time, you know, I just based on him publicly having some of these, uh, you know, at least links or connections, it's it's plausible. And then he, he basically tweeted out earlier today, while it is very preliminary, I would be lying if I said I haven't heard anything on 88 and then the eyes emoji, which you obviously do when it's like I, I know something you don't know. Uh, so uh, he, th- he did later qu- uh, clarify that he said, let's make one thing clear. When I say something, it doesn't mean it's going to happen today or tomorrow, but I heard something and would be remiss if I didn't share it with you all. So, I mean, I will say this. I was very adamant on our either our last or the podcast before that. I just didn't see it with Kane and some other people had said that. That being said, the amount of uh, smoke being blown up the R- Rangers collective asses right now about this sweeping this five game Canada trip uh, has been a lot, you know, NHL network and, you know, TNT and, and then Sportsnet and Canada and TSN, you know, whatever. And for Patrick Kane, where they were basically saying he was going to, he was working out and he was going to wait and the rumors where he was going to w- evaluate in November to see, make, to try to make his decision, just kind of see how, the dust is settled for the teams that maybe he was hoping. Uh, well, I mean, a reunite, you know, reunited with the team you were with last year. So it's not like a, at least it's not a foreign thing. You will have, you won't have to worry too much about getting back into the routine or figuring things out. Cause you at least spent some time with the Rangers last year. Uh, first in the metropolitan. I mean, in fairness, uh, well, Buffalo is, is out of the, the playoff picture right now. Um, and they're towards the bottom of the bottom of the league. Although it's our, it's, it is early in fairness to them. They're only, you know, they have eight points with eight games played. Uh, Toronto's in the last wild card with 11 points with, uh, nine games played. So definitely not a big swing. It's cause like I said, it's for all these teams, it's early, but still early returns is that defensively, they're still a bit of a, an adventure, that team, you know what I mean? And the goaltending maybe isn't everyone was ready to say their goaltending woes were over, but uh, you know, it might be having a rookie goaltender might be harder than they initially thought. Um, So that might eliminate them. Uh, And the only other team, well, I guess we could say Dallas, they look pretty good. They're central, they're second in their division. And then um, when uh, the Red Wings are second in the Atlantic. So, but that being said, the Rangers are, are first and there's all this smoke about, you know, how amazing they look early and, you know, sweeping the road trip. And uh, it might make it a lot more attractive to him. And another thing, it was Tyler Pitlick's birthday today. He didn't skate again. I think the Rangers claimed it was maintenance. But has it have we seen Tyler Pitlick in the last two or three weeks? Uh, I, It's like he's not on the team. Exactly. So, I mean, that kind of is a little sus or fishy. I mean, it could be just maybe. Listen, I would say this. I I think it would be silly if, if Chris Drury wasn't having, despite what you might think or the worry, especially coming off the news today about Nicholas Backstrom yes. basically coming back from his uh, his same hip. I think he had a hip resurfacing, too, and it just was not working out. And he had he basically is taking a step away to 
for his own health reasons to evaluate his future, which might be well, less. My body doesn't perform the way I need it to now and I'm going to hang it up. But so obviously, but that being said, it would be silly of Chris Dury to not at least have a dialogue with Patrick Kane's agent. And I'm sure they're talking and you know, it's uh, I think we, you and I spoke about it a couple. It, it depends, I guess on does Kane want more money or th- what does he want the best chance to win? But that being said, between Detroit, Dallas and the Rangers. I don't think any of them are a bad choice, but at the same time, I think the Rangers and and Dallas probably look like the more attractive, you know, money notwithstanding options right now. Yeah, I, I go back and forth. You know, again, it all depends on what kind of money he's looking at. If he signs a sweetheart deal for a million dollars, like Bergeron did with the, the with the Bruins, it's like, yeah, I'll probably take the chance. I mean, what's the worst that can happen? I mean, the worst that could happen is that we have Patrick Kane for a million dollars, right? And if he stinks, it's only a million dollars. You still have room to improve later on at the trade deadline. You know, the reality is that Gaudreau is probably going to be off this team, whether it's right now or whether it's, you know, you know, four months from now or whatever the trade deadline is. You know, it's just one of those things where, you know, you don't know what it is, so you can't really judge it. Now, if you're to want to talk just about the practicality of him coming back from this surgery and lighten the league up, you know, the Backstrom thing obviously is going to be concerning to people, which maybe drives the price of Patrick Kane to a million dollars. But then, and then you're basically taking a gamble, a cheap gamble, uh, you know, in my opinion. I don't know. I don't know where I stand, Andy. I really don't. You know, I, I, I don't want to compare players that have the same injury because I don't think that's fair. I don't think you could say, well, Backstrom had the surgery and it put him out of commission. The same thing's going to happen to Patrick Kane. Now, Patrick Kane's been skating. Don't you think like these practices are getting filmed? Don't you think if he didn't feel that great, he would take another month to try to, you know, get back into game shape? You know, I don't think he'd rush this and try to get onto a team come November as opposed to December, like what difference really would it make? It's not like he's, it's not like he's in any rush, you know, and if any, and I don't know. I I just think that if you, again, I go back and forth in my head, but if you told me would James, would you willing to take a gamble for a million dollars with Patrick Kane? I'd probably say yes. Probably right now, as of right now, I would say yes. I have the, I want, I want the ability to be able to say no at a later date. But as of right now, I would say yes. So I'm going to ask you the same question, Andy. A million dollars, you get Patrick Kane. Would you take that gamble? Oh, boy. Um, It's a tough one, man. It's tough. It's just, you know, I mean, so many things are going right. I just... It... There is a too many cooks in the kitchen type uh, aspect to to all this that scares me, um, or you know, uh, yeah, you know, not you know, too many, uh, not enough sous chefs, too many you know head chefs or whatever. But, um, yeah, I don't know, man. It just, especially with, well, I guess we'll say this: getting acquiring anyone, but acquiring Patrick Kane. Obviously, the hope is that you can you will lose one of Benino or good. Well, I don't think Goudreau is going anywhere because he's got a ring, which is unfortunate, but 
Um, yeah, I probably VC, but just knock, I guess for Wheeler, it, although he has looked better, I will give him that, even though he hasn't been rewarded for it. He was, he was one of their best forwards and that obviously it was easy to get up for because it was his return to Winnipeg, but he was, he's been getting better and better. And the, the numbers for him, basically he's like a low event player. It's like, he doesn't really drive offense, but he doesn't give anything up either. He's good defensively. Um, and he's the type of guy, Wheeler's the type of guy you get for the playoffs anyway, I think, or that's thinking by the Rangers. That's where he will really show his when things become a slog and you have his big body and it's a little bit more physical that he'll be great for that. But, um, you know, I guess maybe the hope is that getting another winger on the right side would push Wheeler down to the fourth line. And uh, that would hopefully solve the Rangers problem with their fourth line. And that absolutely stinks right now. You know what I mean? So. Or uh, who knows? The you problem is he, he does. Patrick Kane does solve the fourth line problem. But the reason why I would not use that as a reason to sign Patrick Kane is that there's other ways to solve your fourth line problem. It's the easiest line to solve, in my opinion, because, because you know, there are cheap alternatives. You know, yeah. you don't always have to push people down onto the fourth line to solve them. That's you true. Can, I'm, you, you could uh, you could acquire a a good fourth liner. <laughs> yeah, I mean, an energy guy. Uh, I think obviously one of the the things that's probably attractive about Patrick Kane is that he doesn't cost you uh, anything except money. He's on a one, you know. So right. it's uh, you. Who knows if he wants a long deal? What he's looking for? If he wants short, prove it. You know, I don't know what the temperature around the league is. Um, and I would but, imagine that if the hip thing does not work out, let's just say he re-injures himself. And I know the Rangers never would do this in a million years, but heaven forbid they just took him and put him on the IR. Well, yeah, that's definitely, <laughs> that's like, you know, I think I'm, I think my, my biggest fear is that if they were to get Patrick Kane and then you have Wheeler, who's really just kind of cooked and you have Kane, who's just kind of cooked uh, you know, all of a sudden you're kind of running, you know, you're running around with more of your marquee forwards basically washed. And that's not a, a wise strategy, especially when you have a chance to uh, potentially get. I mean, I think what the Rangers probably really need if we're thinking about it right now is they if they could get a high energy bottom six uh, for checking forward who's like doesn't give anything up defensively. And is maybe not the like, you know, and is all he doesn't have to be crazy uh, productive, but he just needs to be more than a, basically a, a PK or like Benino is, you know what I mean? Right. Or Goodrow is at this point. Just have something at least like kind of like what Cooley is right now is that while he's still figuring out the NHL is that when he's on the ice, he's not scoring, but he's getting chances. You know what I mean? That's what they need. They need someone. Uh, they need a th- basically a, a, a scoring third line, uh, third line winger or center. You know what I mean? Or a versatile player, whatever. Hear, so, hear me out. Yeah. Hear me out. The San Jose Sharks stink, right? You would imagine that mm-hmm. they're going to be sellers. Would yeah. you take a gamble on Anthony Duclair? Oh, get mean, the he was Duke a- back? He was a, he's only one year deal with the, the with the Sharks. I know he's had injury history. How much does he make? Three million. He he's only making three million. Three million dollars. That's it. 
That's it. One year deal. You only gonna, saw he's at UFA next year. I'm going to pull up his numbers because I know obviously the injury he has been affected since. Because he was but, with uh, he was with Ottawa last year. No, no, he was with the Florida Panthers. Oh, that's right. Jeez, I, you know. Uh, so he was he's just fresh off of a Stanley Cup final. Yes. Hmm. Why? When I it's just not going to hockey reference. Here we go. Uh, so okay. So so far he's got one goal, zero assists for one point in nine games. He's a minus eight. Yes, his his entire team is 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 hot garbage. To be fair, you can't go by what the no, last I'm, nine games. Uh, so so basically last year in Florida, he only played twenty games because of the injury. Correct. But he had he had nine points in twenty games, which is not bad. And he actually played twenty playoff games and had eleven points. Yeah, and he had fifty eight and seventy four the year before, thirty two and forty three the year before. So, uh, yeah, obviously, unfortunately, he's had a lot of injuries, as we can see here. You know what I mean? But that being said, I mean, yeah, if if that, I would be much happier to get Anthony Duclair, although. I say that and there's people probably like, uh, you know, defensively might not be that good, but I think he's what the Rangers need. They need more depth scoring. They have a lot of, pl- I feel like the Rangers have a lot of players that drive expected goals, but not a lot of finishers other than Panarin and Zibanejad right now. And the reason I say that is because the year prior with the Florida Panthers, or I'm sorry, his, excuse me, the second year with the Florida Panthers, he played a full season, essentially 74 games. Uh, and he had 31 goals. You know, he was a 30-plus goal scorer just a couple of years ago. And yeah. I, I don't know. I, I would have to, to be fair, I would have to maybe watch a San Jose Shark game, as awful as that may sound right now, just to see how, how he's the Duke doing. looks. Yeah, if he's the one driving. Any, I mean, doesn't, I mean they, they do not score goals. So it's just, yeah. it's tough to even consider but he's one player that you know i've always had a soft spot for and you know obviously he was part of that huge trade uh to arizona but you know again it's just i feel like everywhere he goes his game's respectable he does all the right things correctly you know he's got a good attitude and i don't know i just seem like you know i'm sure he'd embrace a fourth line role for the new york rangers over any role with the San Jose Sharks right now. Yeah. Or they would push Wheeler down and, you know, but, Correct. um, you know, it's, it's, it was a, it was a short time, but that game where the Rangers years ago came back against the Minnesota wild where he scored his rookie goal with the Rangers. That's one of my favorite Ranger games of all time. Yeah. I was losing my mind watching that comeback. Zook had a huge game. Zook at Brassard had a huge game. Uh, yeah, and he scores his rookie. And I was so excited. I was like, this kid's, you know, he's got wheels and he's got like a, a deadly deceptive shot. I'm like, he's going to light it up. But, you know, so who knows? It, now this might be a chance to see what could be. But again, I think it's what are the financial realities that the Rangers have to work with? You know, can they make it work? Um, but yeah, I can mean, I throw I a stat at you that you, you probably wouldn't expect me to throw at you. No, go ahead. All right. So his Corsi last year with the Panthers was 13.2. It's negative 26.24 this season with the Sharks. I mean, mean, 
dude. Yeah, I, I know. You can't, I, like you, I know said, you can't do, you know, that's that team is built for one thing and it's, uh, uh, yeah, it's, it's to how many sell, wins do in the year do they have? They have one. The, I don't think I don't, they don't have any, do they? Well, they didn't win in. No, they're they not at all. In they have one point because they, they got won. an overtime. They got an overtime loss. So yes, they have one point in nine games. That is David Quinn is doing a good job over there. He Gosh. listen, David, like I, I understand like that you want to improve your NHL um, career or at least your David Quinn would most likely want to improve his uh, gravitas around the league. But this guy could be employed for life as this as the coach, the tank commander. Oh, one thousand percent. I mean, listen, yeah. it, it is a tough job to come in and just coach a team knowing that you're going to blow blow up the roster and yeah. essentially start from scratch. You know, it's tough, man. You got to keep these guys, number one, motivated to play hockey. And number two, you know, you got to really have the balancing act of teaching these guys and, you know, also, you know, not completely destroying the game of hockey in terms of their mindset, you know, you know, hopefully you have good leadership. You know, I, I think Hurdle's still there. Um, you know, I, it's just, I just don't, you know, Vlasic is still there. I just don't know, you know, if this is talking about cooked. Yeah. Oof. Boy, oh boy. Yeah. And uh, um, three years left, too. Yeah. Sorry. Just give me uh, keep talking, James. My my cat is scratching on the door and mewing up a, a storm. Uh, she will not be denied. So you keep talking. I'll be right back. Yeah. And, you know, I think for the New York Rangers, like we said about the, you know, the bottom six and trying to improve it, it doesn't always have to be acquiring a top six and pushing a current top six player down into the third and fourth line, they can acquire people that were meant to play those type of minutes, that type of style, guys that are easy to mold, guys that are willing to do the the little things correctly. And, you know, I think what the Rangers have been missing the last couple seasons, of course, is uh, a fourth line that is capable of scoring because it's not just enough about staying even. You do want that goal to happen, you know, in critical times because your top couple lines are not going to be able to always get the job done. And, you know, there are times where you're going to rely upon guys that aren't always on the score sheet to be on that score sheet and score timely goals and, you know, get the guys out of uh, a rut, so to speak. And, you know, you can't always rely on special teams. You're going to lose those battles on some nights. And, you know, again, the, you need guys that do have a scoring touch uh, like Anthony Duclair. Uh, and, you know, he's only 28 years old. He's a UFA at the end of the year. He only makes $3 million. It's a guy that can play center or wing, um, you know, and, and, you know, I think for the New York Rangers, it's, you know, he, he's been to, he's played in New York before, you know, he was a part of a huge trade to bring Yandel here from Arizona. And, yeah, I, I don't know. I just feel like, you know, he's, yeah, he's been a somewhat of a journeyman um, here when you obviously went to Arizona, then he went to Ottawa, Florida. Where else did he play? Uh, I think he had a little stint with Columbus. Oh, and Chicago too. I just clicked on his name and Chicago. So he's been around the block. He's a little bit of a journeyman, but yeah. you know, 
I think he's a person that would not take much to um, to even ask about or you know you know inquire about because the, of the relationship that uh, um, Jury has with uh, his fellow BU alum and why is the name you know going right through my head right now? Um, who's the GM of the San Jose Sharks and why can't I think? Of oh, it? Mike Greer. Mike Greer, yeah. BU guy. Story's so, a uh, best friend. Yes. Could not think of the name. Uh, see the face, see the player, but could not put the name. Uh, yeah. So, Andy, I mean, that's obviously that's good enough for the Patrick Kane talk. I think. I, as of right now, I feel like it's a no. I I want to see Patrick Kane play before I take a gamble on him. And I would hope, I would hope, I would hope that we do our homework before we just sign this guy, no matter what the price is. Yeah, I mean, it's tough, man. It, hip injuries are, it's like the worst thing. It's one of the worst things an athlete can go through. You know what I mean? It's its just, oh, man. Uh, yeah. Yeah, you got to hope they're doing their homework, or at least they're, if they do, they, uh, it would be interesting to see if we, if it comes out that Kane was interested in a reunion and the Rangers were just like, absolutely not. Like, if things are going too well, why would we jeopardize it? Um, I will, you got to give Chris Drury credit the last few years. He's really been good at targeting the Rangers needs for what they've needed at, at times, especially even coming into season, seeing things didn't work, correcting those mistakes like he did last year. Um, God, I already forget his name. The big defenseman from St. Louis we got last year. Oh, uh, Nico, Nicola, 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 like, you know, and you know, like, uh, you know, getting Tarasenko and Mikola. Uh, I do wonder if with Ottawa being an Florida, absolute, uh, yeah, <laughs> good segue, Ottawa being in absolute uh, down bad right now, although in the standings they're, yeah, they're, they're, they're not out of it. They're in it, but you know, it's just, it's still been tough there. Some old, uh, still not as uh, defensively stout as they would have hoped to have been at this point in time. But um, you, you got to wonder if there is a potential for a reunion there. I mean, let's, let's quickly get your take on Ottawa, by the way. Just as on, a team? No, 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 have, no, 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 or, no, no. Oh, come on. The, oh, on what happened? Oh, yeah. I I think. Well, two things happened. Well, a lot's happened to Ottawa well, in the last 24 Well, hours. let's first start with Shane Pinto. The sure, details, sure, sure. The, the proxy betting, not even on hockey. He's had a buddy that his, I guess, this is what I've read. So I have no idea if it was different than this, but this is, seems to be what the story is, that he's had a friend sign into his account and put bets in that weren't even on hockey. They were for other sports. Yeah. Now, come on. 41 games for that? I mean, I, listen, I know. I know that's probably illegal or against the... I don't even know if it's against the rules. But that's a little harsh. 41 yeah. games for proxy betting? And it's not even like if he was doing hockey or anything related to it, I'd be like, Absolutely. But come on, like we've all done that before. You know, anyone has gambled like a lot of people have done it, especially. I mean, I know a lot of people that do it because, you know, it was legal in New Jersey, illegal in New York, legal in Jersey, you know, in different states around here. So, you know, it's even same thing with like, you know, you can't, you know, I can't bet on Rutgers football like 
you don't think people that in Jersey aren't finding ways to bet on Rutgers football by having someone, I don't know, sign in their account in New York and place a bet for them? Come on, this is just silly. It's just, I, to me, I shake my head at that. What are your thoughts? Yeah, it's it's tough, especially not knowing what it is. And I, th- you know, it's been alluded to on up by other hockey pundits and that the fact part of the silence about what actually it was, was orchestrated mostly by the player and the, the NHLPA that it, it exchanged for like, cause it, it, there was clearly mediation here and how to handle this and why it took so long. And especially considering he doesn't have a contract right now. And because, you know, if, if he fines count against a player, if you know, when they're fine counts against the cap, you know what I mean? So there was, there was Ottawa had, it was like an off ice thing that would have affected the Sabres, especially in light of the fact they have a new owner. So I think it was a lot was there was, I know it's, it's good. This is a crazy sentence to hear, but a lot was done to kind of protect the team and the player and the league. And that this is what they settled on in an exchange. No one was really going to speak about it. Although I'm, you know, you have to imagine it'll come out eventually like the actual details of what happened. But that being said, yeah, obviously it's one of those things where it's like from a league standpoint, if if it is he was proxy betting on hockey of any sort, you know, I get why that at least in the NHL's eyes, like this, that's just not can't happen. That's uh, yeah, that's just detrimental to their product or or it has the. It, it, it has the potential that sort of behavior has the potential to affect their product negatively and, and the lighted scene. And so that's what uh, that to that extent. Yeah, I get why they would be so severe. Obviously, it rings really shitty when, you know, domestic abuse and violence and sexual assault and all the other scandals around the league of a heavy nature of, a, of a obviously more se- serious nature than gambling, you know, is met with nothing proxy gambling proxy gambling on other sports you know and you know i it's like obviously i just went i was just saying why the nhl that doesn't mean it's a good reason that just means that's the the, that just you know will be that you know that that decision was uh was a bottom line decision so it was easy for them to say 41 but when it when it's something like Oh, it happened outside of the rink, and it's obviously in inhumane, but this, it doesn't really affect our bot. You know what I mean? That's it's just it just yeah you know, makes you sick to think about. And honestly, you know, well, it just doesn't make I, any sense. Like and, like and and how not to cut you up, but how you know you want to make sure it's not repeated. If you're not going to be concrete about with what happened and why the guy's getting suspended, what's to stop you know another NHLer from fucking up in the future? And being like, well, I really wish they, you know, we knew what happened. So I don't fucking do it. So does this mean I just can't bet period? Like, you know, right. I mean, it, it should be it's all drawn like, out in, you know, the bylaws, but yeah. I, don't, I don't know. But it, none of it makes sense. It just, you know, obviously the stuff that went down in Chicago had a completely different approach on how that was handled. Like, there was no picks involved. You know, they obviously did the big fine and there was an investigation and, you know, you know, time has passed. So it's tough to go back in time and, 
do you punish the new management you know the organization I, I like i listen if that's your reasoning that's fine but like you got to be a little consistent i mean there's got to be some sort of you know your your punishments for and don't get me wrong it's like i and i think you and i were kind of on the same page even though bringing up different points today like i thought you know vegas should lose their but obviously i don't know all the details you know you know you can't get had like that it's just it's just like that's just i don't know i don't even know what to think of it it just in my mind i can't fathom someone not getting the absolute truth when it comes to a player's contract or not having the ability to look at that player's contract in the essence of what it, how it's written and, and drawn up for another team i just i just feel like the fact that i could just lie about another player's contract then there's just no secondary like the nhl doesn't have a copy of all these contracts that they then send to you know i i don't know it just i feel like like either the is the nhl just a clown show and then you give out they lose their first round pick but then you had all the stuff with that happened in chicago and they don't lose a single draft pick like for stuff that was you know in my opinion and this might be a big number a million times more egregious it just doesn't make any sense it's like their punishment they're just it's like literally they have goldfish brains they sit in a room. They're like, what should be the punishment here? And they're like, how about a first round pick? That'll teach them not to do it again. All right, done. And then with Chicago, they're probably like, we've got to find them. We can't possibly do picks. Like that won't teach them anything. Okay, we'll find them. And it's just like, they have no idea what they're doing. I don't know. That's just my opinion, Andy. I don't know if you feel any differently. No, I feel exactly the same way. It's just, you know, it's, uh, it, it's it's tough because I when I try to the league has gotten so much wrong recently that it's like you can't talk about one thing without talking about the other because you're trying to trace the logic and then you slowly realize that there is no logic it's just a case by case base it's basically the days without incident sign and everything that anytime something happens the league is like well shit we got to do something because we can't do nothing but well even like the the pride jerseys it's like or we're banning all jerseys. And then they have to come out now and they'll be like, well, we're going to allow the players to express how they feel. It's yeah, like, because you got so much backlash from, it's like, it's like well, okay, then we're going to, it's like, it's like, yeah, in their minds are like, okay, uh, the way to solve this is by saying no one can express how they feel about any cause. We guys, we did it. Let's yeah, pop the champagne figured. boys. We did it. And then lo and behold, everyone's like, what the fuck are you talking about? <laughs> like, but the yeah, thing is like, then at that point it does, does it doesn't even feel genuine. Because well, you're it's like, not genuine. They'll, they don't care. They they don't like to them. The only thing they care about is is they they care about the the sanctity of the league and whatever that means to them, which is hence why they think that they don't think the jerseys affected the sanctity of the league. That's why they were and they didn't care about the plight of the people that were upset um, and that are upset that they are they like there was so much pushback on you know, just being told that you should be able to be, you know, celebrated and include included. So, but in the league's mind, they're just like, they don't want to make waves. They don't want to piss off the board of NHL governors. They don't, it's just, they're, I, yeah, they just, I, they, are, I, they're, they, they punish the people they can punish. Uh, and this is a little segue to our next, our next saga in Ottawa saga of woes. Uh, 
they they go as so far as to you want to talk about uh, hiding information <laughs> like the NHL hid information from their fucking new owner or to the person they just sold a, a, a lemon to. You know what right. I mean? Right. Yes. Yeah, so we should talk about that uh, for people who don't know what we're talking about. Ottawa, on top of all the Shane Pintos, just found out today that they are being uh, they will be forced to relinquish a first round draft pick in one of the next three seasons, I believe it is. Yes. Uh, for their negligence in the negligent role in the trade of Evgeny Dadanov to the uh, Vegas Golden Knights last season. Um, just to refresh everyone, last season, uh, Ottawa traded Evgeny Dadanov to um, the, the Golden Knights, to Kelly McCrimmon and the Golden Knights. And apparently, th- there's not a lot of inform- information about this out or what exactly went down about this either. But uh, the, the, the running rumor is that when they traded him, Otto, the Knights said, hey, uh, does he have a no trade clause or no trade list? And they said, no, the reason we were able to trade you to him is because or him to you guys is because he failed to give us a trade, uh, a no trade list on time. Um, and they were like, cool, OK, so uh, he gets traded and then. It's for cap reasons and just player performances and eh, whatever uh, Vegas wants to move Dadanov. That was in over the summer going into the season. Then at the trade deadline, uh, they want to flip Dadanov to uh, the Anaheim Ducks. And they say, Evgeny, we are trading you to the Anaheim Ducks. And he says, no, you're not. I have a no tr- 10 team, no trade clause with Anaheim on it. And they say, huh, that's weird because the uh, Pierre Dorian and the Ottawa Senator said you did. And Hence, there was a whole big mess, and the league has been invest- investigating since then. This happened over 100 days ago, uh, and yet we're only finding out about this now after the, uh, obviously with the passing of Eugene Melnick and his family taking over the team and then selling the team recently to within, with the league's help to Michael uh, and Lauer, uh, who used to own or a part of the, or still does own part, or I think he actually just sold it, uh, of, had a, a stake in the uh, Montreal Canadiens. So, uh, yeah, so that was a fun day for Michael Andelauer finding out that he bought a team, you know, that one of your forwards cannot play for uh, half the season. And he still started from when he finally signs. And also he's being done to first round pick. Uh, so yeah, Pierre Dorian got fired today. So that's not surprising. Uh, but to kind of to loop this back to what James and I are just talking about with the league, you you say the league takes all this time. They that was obfuscation on their end. They were lying. They weren't being truthful because they knew about all this shit. And he's hearing about it now. Or he was told he says he was basically told, like, it's not going to be a big deal. And then they apparently dropped a 41 page piece of memo to him about how negligent the sends were. And then they're going to be docked first round pick today. It's, it's unbelievable. Unbelievable. It really is. And it's just, it's again, like in my opinion, and this is how I I look at it is that the league, every contract exactly word for word needs to be submitted to the league. The league looks over these contracts like they have to. 
There's no way that they don't. They, there's no way the league doesn't have lawyers that look into these contracts and to, to make sure that, you know, everything is, is you know, up, up to code and follows all the rules and stuff like that. Because you never know. Like, like, and it's not just about for trades and stuff like that. It's about, I mean, look what happened with the New Jersey Devils and Nicole Chuck with the, the term and everything. Like, you would imagine that the league has people that looks at these contracts, has a copy of them. And then when a, a trade does happen, like, you know, I don't know. It just seems like the Vegas should have, I don't know, man. I, it just seems like it can't be. And I hope it's not this easy because if it, but if it is, it really does make sense about everything else with this league that like a team can just lie and be like, Nope. He doesn't have a no trade clause because he didn't submit it in time. And the other team's just like, ah, oh, okay, cool. Thanks. Like, it can't be that easy. No, but uh, but apparently, and the more that's coming out is because you would think it would be easy enough for them to just like kind of double check that shit. Uh, but apparently it's very confusing. And, uh, you know, also the NHL Central Registry doesn't keep contracts, apparently, um, because if there's ever... If all the if all the there's a leak and all the contracts are together, then all the information gets out and they don't want that. But uh, they have no system instead. It's, hey, can't it's, they third party that shit? I well, you would think, but that probably costs money. So why would they do that? Um, OK, so you're telling me <laughs> that the government has a file of everyone's tax returns. But you're you're telling me all of a sudden that the NHL can't keep contracts out. Come on, this is just like nonsense. And for the most part, all contracts are public knowledge anyway. We all kind of know what's going on. Am I crazy or is that not true? Like if I told you what does the, you know, Artemi Panarin contract look like, you can probably give me the bonuses, the term, the like all the like, are these just are there a lot more to these contracts that we don't know about? No, but obviously the the NTCs are the the ntc lists are are private yeah because obviously it just it would be embarrassing to see how many times uh winnipeg pops up so why it's a simple this is simple andy i can fix this for you yeah every player that has an ntc and a list of teams draws it on a napkin and the napkin gets mailed to nhl headquarters and they put it in a a lockbox. I like this. And they just keep it's fireproof. And then we have, uh, uh, we have, I don't know, we'll just use, we'll have pit bulls and, you know, Siberian Huskies guarding this locker. So nobody can get near it. No human until it's time. Like for, if that person needs to get traded, then that list comes out. Like I just, why is this this complicated? This I mean, is why this is why I'm just I'm, I'm flabbergasted. I really am. I, I I don't know. I think we have to like end the podcast here. Yeah, because, we're gonna you know just again if uh, if once you start talking about the incompetence around here around this place, uh, you'll be talking forever. So could you imagine the NHL just comes out and says no more? Okay, no more NTCs. I mean, they would love that. Like, like that's how they would do. Yeah. Well, HLPA, that's yeah. We'd have something to say about that. But yeah, no, that's how they would love to do it. Trust me, if it was them, they would they if it was up to them, they could move players where neat as needed. Just rotate them. Every Connor McDavid, every, you are an Arizona coyote. We need a boost in that market. 
Oh, you know yeah. what I mean? Uh, you know, so yeah, honestly, Austin Matthews probably would have been a coyote yesterday if that was the case. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. Anything. So anything else, James, do you want to wrap this up or no? Listen, I, or I'll end this one. It's yeah, uh, it. okay. Listen, we have our uh, first big test against the Carolina hurricanes. Super excited for this game. Uh, you know, it's going to be a test to see if the Rangers can dictate play and handle themselves amongst the Eastern conferences better teams and I think it's important for the New York Rangers to establish their dominance early on the Metro Division. So New York Rangers, one period at a time, dictate the flow of the game, take advantage of special team opportunities if you get it, and you know, let's get two points. Thank you for listening to the Broadway Boys Podcast. Be sure to follow us on X at Broadway Boys Pod. And please rate, review, and subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, SoundCloud, or the HockeyPodcastNetwork.com. You're listening to the Hockey Podcast Network on Twitter at HockeyPodNet. New episodes every Monday and Thursday. Download at the HockeyPodcastNetwork.com or wherever you get your podcasts from.